Thank you, KDNK listeners, for joining me on Meet in the Middle, a show where we share dialogue on complex issues with local thought leaders with differing opinions. The hope is for listeners to gain new perspective and empower freedom of expression. I'm Dan Richardson, and today's topic is U.S. health care. Are we getting our money's worth? All right. Uh, my guests today are George Bomfock. George, are you there? Uh, I don't think we have him. Okay. Um, George will join us in a minute. Uh, my other guest is Chase McWhorter. Welcome, Chase. Thank you, Dan. Chase serves as Managing Director of the Institutional Real Estate uh, Americas and Institutional Investing in Infrastructure for the Institutional Real Estate Incorporated. Chase also has a bachelor's in public policy, planning, and development. Thanks for joining us, Chase. Yeah, thanks for doing this, Dan. And um, thank you, Megan, who's going to loop George in. Um, While we're waiting for George, I'm going to provide a little bit of context, but thank you both for being here. Um, Healthcare is always a relevant topic, especially as we grapple with inflation and an economy that consistently underperforms for the lion's share of Americans. The Government Accountability Office reports that federal spending on major health care programs continues to grow faster than the economy, which is helping continue to the sustainable long-term fiscal future of the nation. Sorry about that. George, have you joined us? Yes, I have. All right, George. Sorry about that. Uh, no worries. The news director, Morgan Neely, interviewed Governor Polis, and uh, I don't think he wanted to hang up on Governor Polis, so sorry we're running <laughs> a little late. Um, uh, I, I didn't introduce you, George, but George, uh, practiced neurosurgery in Texas until his retirement and now lives part-time in Carbondale to be near his son, Mayor Ben, and his family. He became enlightened about Medicare for all and became an active advocate about six years ago. Thanks for joining us remotely, George. Yes, sir. I have to be here. I'm going to, I'm going to start over with my context because my first question says, what do you think about all this? Um, <laughs> Uh, I said that healthcare is always a relevant topic, especially as we grapple with inflation and an economy that consistently underperforms for the lion's share of Americans. The Government Accountability Office reports that federal spending on major healthcare programs continues to grow faster than the economy, which is helping contribute to the un- unsustainable long-term fiscal future of the nation. And when I read this, it really captured my attention. Uh, so I dug a little bit deeper and learned that according to the Common- Commonwealth Fund, The U.S. spends more on medical care as a share of the economy, nearly twice as much as the average OECD country, which stands for the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development. Yet the U.S. has the lowest life expectancy, infant mortality, and highest suicide suicide rates among these 11 nations. A couple other quick stats. We've got the highest chronic disease burden and an obesity rate that is two times higher than OECD uh, average. We use some expensive technologies like MRIs, specialized procedures, and hip replacements more uh, more often than our peers. And compared to our peer nations, the U.S. has among the highest number of hospitalizations from preventable causes and the highest rate of avoidable deaths. But here's the kicker before I get into questions. According to the National Academy of Medicine, medical care is estimated to account for only 10 to 20% of the modifiable contributors to healthy outcomes for a population, only 10 to 20%. The other 80 to 90% are attributable to health-related behavior, socioeconomic factors, and environmental factors. 
So it, it would appear that not only are we spending an outrageous sum of money, but we're not spending it in the right places. And so my first question, George, I'm going to let you take the first question first, is is the performance of our current healthcare system acceptable? And if not, does it just need some tweaking or a complete overhaul? Yeah, thanks for that. Um, no, I, th- I think we're uh, we're headed for a cliff here because, as you mentioned, these things are pretty well unsustainable. And the uh, the factors you mentioned uh, are all very germane, uh, and I don't think tweaking is going to help. We've been tweaking the system for several decades, and and as you mentioned, we have a system that uh, uh, not only doesn't really address things like, the, I guess the popular term these days is social determinants of health, uh, a lot of socioeconomic things. Um, I'm not sure how... how well, we're ever going to do on these things like, you know, personal habits. It seems that, in fact, other than the obesity, Americans don't really drink more, take more drugs, you know, do more crazy things like driving motorcycles without helmets, you know, than folks in other countries. Uh, the, the biggest thing, to, to my view, is that we've got this system that, again, several decades ago, we decided this should be market-driven because the market has done so many wonderful things for the consumer in so many areas, like computers and cars and all sorts of things. Um, so they said, well, let's let the, the market drive healthcare. But unfortunately, for a whole lot of reasons, uh, healthcare is not really an open market where people know prices, have the opportunity to shop around and, and compare and whatnot. And so it's, it's developed into this incredibly burdensome administrative system that, uh, in, in fact, uh, eats up about somewhere between 25 and 35 percent of every health care dollar. Another way of saying that is that, you know, a, a fourth or a third of all health care spending goes to paper shuffling, all this this stuff that insurance companies do and that businesses do and hospitals and doctor's offices to kind of try to get a handle on things. So we're just wasting so much money in other countries that have more streamlined systems, you know, um, don't, don't, don't face that. So they have more resources to go around to deliver to health care. So it's it's profoundly complicated, but no, I think we need a complete overhaul. I don't think any amount of tweaks, and everybody likes to talk about, oh, let's improve on the Affordable Care Act, and all that's going to do is continue this really overly heavily weighted administrative component that I just don't see anything other than uh, some sort of a single or or small number of of payers or insurers, whether that's the government or private not-for-profit insurance companies, um, that's the only way to kind of cut down through all this kind of cost and and get some rationality into the system. So I I think a complete overhaul is going to be necessary. Thanks, George. Um, I just want to point out, uh, doing some fact-checking, you mentioned about a third of the cost going to administration my research shows that it's about 8%, um, but either way, it's still, even at 8%, uh, it's two to three times what it is for other countries. So we spend a lot on administration, that's for sure. Chase, yeah. you, you want to take a stab at the question of do we need some just some tweaking or a complete overhaul? Yeah, I mean, my, my initial view would be that I think it was the constant tweaking that's probably got us to this point. So kind of the problem creators trying to maybe become the problem solvers. I think going to your earlier point when you brought up kind of the cultural socioeconomic issues, I mean, that's something that I think I would probably point to as being underlying all this is, I mean, are we talking about a 
medical? Are we talking about bureaucratic issues or is it more cultural? Again, you reference obesity, uh, overuse of things like prescription drugs. I mean, how much of this is more cultural rather than a specific medical issue to be solved by medical professionals, bureaucrats, politicians? I mean, I feel like at the root of this, which is where you're probably going to find more solutions would be, and I don't know how you necessarily would address it, cultural issues, but I mean, you look at the way the system appears to be set up with prescriptions being shelled out for every every ailment, antidepressants, all those kind of things that add up to creating more cultural problems, factor in obesity. I mean, how many health problems stem from obesity? I mean, you're talking heart disease, you're talking cholesterol issues. I mean, most other diseases kind of stem from, in my understanding, is a lot of stuff stems from obesity. And how can we even address that culturally if we can't even talk about things like obesity? I was listening to Bill Maher recently. We can't even talk about obesity. Otherwise, you're fat shaming. Mm -hmm. So how does that fit into to cultural perspective? We can't even talk about that. We can't recommend people get healthy when that's one of the biggest underlying issues that impacts people, people and gets them into the hospital. But to address that from a cultural perspective is is now mean. So, Chase, am I it sounds like you agree with George, though, that uh, a complete overhaul is necessary because we've tweaked it to death, if you will. Yeah. I mean, it again, it just kind of goes to the point of it's it, the problems that come out that the, the same people that are creating the problem are the ones that are going to create the solution. I think that's something that at least just raised alarm for me. It's Affordable Care Act, Medicare, Medicaid, all the things we've done for the last 50 years, constant tweaks. I, I do agree that it definitely seems like we're tweaking things to death. And I don't, I don't know if it would be the same solution, but I definitely think identified the same problem. Thanks. Um, George, you touched on this in your opening comments, but uh, what I'm hearing both from you and Chase is these social determinants are important. Um, as a physician, as a retired physician, do you can you tell us a little bit more about um, that our healthcare system, our medical 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 system, focuses so much on on uh, excuse me, our healthcare focuses so much on medical and not these social determinants. Um, did you see that? Do you see that as a as a huge problem as well? Can you, can you go into a little more detail there? Well, I'll tell you what, I, I practiced over 20 years ago, and I had a specialty practice. Um, so I, I probably was just tuned in to a lot of these things um, because, you know, once, once a person got referred to me, uh, it, was, it was usually kind of a more urgent circumstance than kind of saying, do you live in a food desert and do you have decent transportation? And, you know, do you have, of course, Internet access didn't even exist back then. So there's, you know, a lot of these things that uh, – that are probably more apparent to a family practitioner or a pediatrician, something like that. So I personally was a little bit removed. Now, what I did see was so many patients that, you know, didn't have insurance, and therefore um, if they had something that um, could be better treated at some other hospital, it was often difficult to kind of get them there. And, you know, that really kind of caused a real burden. Um, but on, on the associate determinants, is a huge issue. There's no doubt about it. But uh, short of you know, solving poverty and then and, and ending the drug problems and all these huge things that are, that are major societal issues, 
we still need to get people, give them access to health care and, and, and make it so that folks, even many who are probably listening to this broadcast, who say, well, I've got insurance, and they might not really appreciate that they've got a $2,000 deductible, and they probably don't have $2,000 sitting around if something happened to them. And so it, it's really kind of the the immediate situation of, of so many folks not having access to health care uh, that we could deal with with a rationalized system um, and in the meantime, you know, save so much of this administrative overhead. So, Okay. Kind of, mm. um, thanks for that, George. So I want to shift a little bit because I think there's another another thing that you touched on, George, and I hear a lot out there about free market. And there mm-hmm. are some who either think healthcare is a free market or it should be more of a free market or less of a free market. Mm-hmm. So I want to put this question over to Chase first. Um, mm-hmm. What's your opinion on 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 whether or not our healthcare system is is a free market or should it be? And it- it's actually kind of funny. A couple of years ago, I was in London for work, and I remember being at dinner with my wife, and we were sitting next to some guys in scrubs, and we asked them if they were doctors, and jokingly kind of said, well, you guys should be buying our dinner with what we get paid to be doctors here huh. compared to, to Americans. And I think that was something that I reflected on as talking about uh, or thinking about doing this broadcast was, I mean, how would... If you remove the market function, how many doctors would be motivated to go to medical school and become doctors? Would it become a profession that people just want to do because they want to do it out of the kindness of their heart? Or is there a profit motive that motivates doctors to go to school for that long, to do surgery, to have their own practice, to build a career? Maybe it, maybe it is. I personally didn't have the intelligence to become a doctor, so <laughs> it was out of my wheelhouse. But that is one thing that I would be curious of is just if you did, if a solution was less market-based, how much innovation would you lose? I mean, if you look at, despite all the flaws I think our health system has from an innovation perspective, how much medical innovation is taking place here with cancer treatments, with, with things like knee replacement, just simple surgeries, new technologies, how much of that innovation is happening here because of the free market? versus other places that do have more socialized medicine. People aren't incentivized to create new innovations. Yeah, they can adopt it after we've invented it, but that would be one thing that I'd be curious, the ripple effects of if you moved away from a free market system, is what happens to the innovation? What happens to the doctors that, in America, I think we do have really good doctors. What happens to their motivation to go to school, to to take on student debt, to start their own practice, to become the best doctor they can, Again, going back to talking to those doctors in the UK, they they didn't really seem like they were that motivated for to get to work. It did kind of seem like a nine to five punch in, punch out job. And I honestly don't know if I want a doctor that looks at it as just a normal job versus whether it's a calling or something they can make a lot of money in. I think that's where you just want to find the best. And I do think that a free market has proven that it can deliver the best in a lot of services, whether that applies to medical care, I guess if we get away from the free market, we'll, we'll soon find out. Thanks, Chase. George, thoughts on that? Yeah, that, that's, that's um, something that, that there's a real tendency to kind of think along those lines. I understand that. Uh, I, I remember vividly, uh, you know, if, if 
well, when, when we were going through medical school, one of the usual questions you're asked when you apply is, you know, why you want to be a doctor? And nobody ever says to make a bunch of money. I had no idea uh, what what I might make as a as a physician, even during residency. I, I just didn't know. You were motiv- we were motivated by you know this this fascination with the science and this this kind of generalized desire to you know help people and do good in the world. And you know you, there's great doctors in every other country in the world um, that that uh, go to it because of those motivations. Just like people go into teaching and preaching and and all sorts of uh, professions that have this high calling without that much uh, remuneration. Um, so I think most doctors aren't in it for the money. And as far as innovations go, it's real interesting. The CAT scan, the thing that, that we almost forget about now because of MRI, was developed in England, which has the fully most socialized medicine program in the world. And there are all sorts of innovations. One of the greatest neurosurgeons that really advanced the field came from Egypt and then practiced most of his life in Switzerland and then retired to the United States. So there's innovation going on everywhere. I really don't think that's a big concern. Um, I think that just happens because of the excitement, just like you have, you know, physicists and other scientists that are working in universities for, you know, not great salary, nothing like they could make in the private sector. Uh, But they're the ones that are just challenged and always, you know, expanding the fields and, and coming out with these breakthroughs. So I don't, I don't think that's a, a real concern. And as far as the marketplace, um, unfortunately, I, I don't think it works because if you think about it, you know, some a third or a fourth or whatnot of medical expenses are things like car wrecks and heart attacks and other accidents when there's not an opportunity to shop. And, uh, and, and so there's just kind of really no way we can make it a, a, a true, open, you know, logical, rational market. And uh, I think that's kind of why we've really failed in a lot of respects in the United States compared to other countries where they have most people with access to care and, uh, um, you know, there's still a lot of innovation and, and good, dedicated, good, good dedicated doctors. George, what was that statistic you just listed? What percentage of care is sort of urgent? In- yeah, I, I don't have I don't have okay. a firm number on that. Uh, I, I think I read somewhere that like you know twenty five or thirty okay. percent of care, uh, you know, you you can't sit around and make choices. It's not like you gotcha. kind of say you know which doctor am I going to go do money. And the other thing about that that's really kind of amusing to me. People talk about how the market would would be so good. Well, if you had a list of, of doctors and you had a brain tumor. And one of them was going to charge you ten thousand. One of them was going to charge you one hundred and fifty. Who would go to the one that charges one hundred and fifty? Nobody wants the lowest priced doctor for the most part. You want, you know, essentially the best to take care of you when you're in that situation. So, so you know, kind of going to a to the low bid healthcare provider um, is is probably not anything that uh, is going to solve any of our problems. Um, I want to pull out something. We probably don't have time to talk about it in this show, but Chase, it seems like when when you were talking about the free market, you were talking about essentially the employment of doctors and, and that innovation. But it seems like there's many layers in George and our conversations earlier, you talked about, mm-hmm. you know, shopping for um, or, or the government negotiating for prescription drug prices and things. Mm-hmm. There's many mm-hmm. layers and it seems like in some ways we're close to a free market. In some ways, we're not, and I think that just mm-hmm. bears pointing out. This seems like well, and I, and I would say, I mean, one thing that I think is interesting, and you can reference it in relation to even the housing market. That I mean, after the crash of two thousand eight, you always had 
the the common frame was that the free market failed, that it was it was an inefficient system. But people forget that it was government meddling in the free market. It was the the Bush program that everyone should own a home, zero percent down. It was the meddling in the free market that banks wouldn't have lent on a lot of these things if it wasn't for government backing. So that's where I think a lot of problems that the free market gets blamed for a lot of the time is usually some sort of mix between public and private, where there's subsidies. You can look at healthcare, how much insurance is involved, the administrative costs, how much of this is truly a, a market function. I'm not advocating or saying that a free market would solve all these problems. I said it earlier, I don't think that a lot of doctors go in there just for the money. There is a calling to it. I don't think you go to school that long just to make money. I think you have to be motivated by other things. I think more the concern that I would see is how how much is blamed on the free market, one, and you can use housing, banking, any other industry where the free market gets blamed for problems that are usually exacerbated by government intervention. Um, and then the other side to it is going back to the innovation. I think that's that's a concern. Yeah, the CAT scan coming out of England, socialized. I think there's always going to be exceptions to the rule. But statistically, and I don't have it in front of me, but it would be interesting to see how much innovation comes out of the U.S. And you know, there's going to sure. be examples of things coming out of other countries. But by and large, does most innovation come from here? As always, time is flying. But there's one more question I want to pose. Um, Americans have come to insist on certain rights that aren't necessarily explicit or even mentioned in our mm-hmm. Constitution, that, but they have evolved over time. And some examples I thought of were uh, access to utility and transportation systems, but there, there are plenty others out there. So, um, Chase, I'll let you take this one first, and remember we are a little tight on time. Should access to health care be considered a right? Yeah, that's that's definitely tough. I mean, I know it always goes between it's a right versus a privilege. Um, I feel like the other side to it is there's there's an aspect of health being a personal responsibility to a certain degree. Um, to to completely you know let yourself go and expect a system to to keep you afloat, whether it's financially or from a health perspective, that would be where a responsibility has to come in. That would be a concern. You, you talk about solutions that if you're taking away any sort of responsibility and it does become viewed as just a right that you have access to it, again, you talk about slippery slopes, um, that would be a concern because we saw with housing. Housing is a right. Well, you're saying people view it as a right. I'm saying you can you can view a lot of things as a right. Okay, yeah. Um, George, thoughts on... Yeah, that, that, that's, that's, that's been a struggle. In most of these countries, uh, like France, Germany, Japan, and, and certainly England, Canada, that have developed uh, some universal uh, health care systems, you know, have a long tradition of, 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 of fraternity and e- equality and, you know, everybody kind of being in it together. I mean, that's part of the, the motto for France, I think, and whatnot. So there's, there's a stronger sense of, of everybody being in together where, you know, here in the Wild West, we have, you know, like Chase said, a lot of reliance. You know, everybody has to pull himself up and be self-reliant and take care of himself. Uh, so we don't have this communal sense about it. Um, um, but, but, you know, whether it's a right or a privilege, um, you know, I, I keep going back to things like 
fire departments. Fire departments used to be private for-profit. One of the richest men in ancient Rome had, had the control of the fire department. Interesting. Well, now we've kind of found out not only is that inefficient and crazy, because your house might burn down mine if you don't want to pay for help but for, for fire insurance, but uh, it, it's one of those things that's just worked out better to kind of have those as a community service. And so is it right to have a fire department come out and put your fire out? Well, we decided that it was. And, and uh, you know, that's oversimplifying it. But I think in a lot of respects, uh, health care is the same. Um, that, that, you know, I don't think any of us, no matter how hardcore conservative and feel about you need to be self-reliant, it would be comfortable watching, you know, your, your neighbor, somebody down the street, you know, suffer and die because they couldn't afford health care. And I know we have some stopgap measures or some of them, but in the whole, uh, the lack of access to health care, the, the lack of health care being a right, uh, leads to a bunch of suffering and unnecessary death. And uh, so, so you know, I, I think it, it should be a right, however you want to kind of codify it. I think everybody should have access to it. Thanks, George. Chase, you had one more follow-up. I was going to say one thing with the fire department that definitely has struck me is fire departments are, are local. They're municipal. Mm-hmm. That's where I think, again, we haven't got to necessarily solutions, but that is something that has piqued my thoughts of when something's local and municipal, you can see it directly at work right. with your tax dollars. And you have more control. Right. You have more control. Yeah. And that's where some when things come in from a federal level and you get education, because the same problem we talk about with healthcare, how much we spend and how little we get in return, education is the same thing. We spend more per pupil on students than any other country, but we continue to go down the all the different standards so this is where there's you can talk about government intervention and things like fire departments but a lot of times the successful ones are usually more local where you can actually see your money at work versus some big federal slush fund where more administrative costs come in yeah no i understand indeed um so we're katie and k's given us just another minute or two because we were a little bit late, so I'm usually uh, winding down. Um, but it sounds like there is there's disagreement on a couple things with respect to uh, whether it's a right and whether it's a free market. But I'm mm-hmm. hearing you both say that the system is far from perfect. Thanks for joining. Thank you.